human your pastor is, and I'm very human, you don't ever need to question that, but um, uh, when it comes to the Bible, sometimes you feel like, I've been going to church all these years, and I don't have this figured out by now, well, one of the things that took me a long time to figure out was where First and Second Thessalonians was. And I always thought that First and Second Timothy came first. And so I would get to Timothy and I'd keep flipping to the right. And then I'd realize, no, First Thessalonians is before Timothy. So I probably got that down about three years ago. And I've been going to church for 34 years. So how many of you, when the pastor says, turn to Ezra, you're like, I can't. I can't find it. Does that ever happen to anybody here? Or um, or they give you one of those minor prophets and you struggle. Does that ever happen? Well, I'm having another struggle right now, and my sermon notes are not in my Bible where I put them. And so um, that's a problem. So what I'm going to have to do, I don't know what happened. To my, they were here. They were on the platform a few minutes ago. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to fill in the blanks with you as we go and uh, remember my notes here. So... We'll, uh, we'll make it work, uh, and it'll be on the screen as well. So let's jump in tonight, 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Brother Joe, do you have that printout I gave you earlier today? Could, could you go get it and bring it to me? Thank you. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. It says there, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the church of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. First Thessalonians was one of the first epistles we believe that Paul wrote. And he wrote it uh, to a church that was under great duress, under great persecution. And uh, a church he was very concerned of. This is a church that Paul established with Silas. And then he was run out of town and was not welcomed back. And he was very concerned for this church. As they were being persecuted. So let's pray tonight. The title of the Bible study is Purification Through Persecution. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for taking care of us and loving us and, uh, and allowing us to be here tonight. I know, Lord, that many wearied bodied folk are in front of me. And many folks have worked all day, fought traffic to get here. Uh, their minds are tired. Their bodies are tired. And, Lord, their, their spirits might be a little empty and needing of, uh, of, a, of a drink of cold water from the Word of God. So, Lord, I pray tonight that your Word would refresh, and, God, that you would speak through the, the message and, and help to encourage. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. John Wesley was riding along a, a road one day when it dawned on him that three whole days had passed uh, since he had suffered persecution. Not a brick or an egg had been thrown at him as he rode down the road on his horse between meetings for three whole days. This alarmed him. So he stopped his horse and got off, got, got off and got on his knees there by his horse on the side of the road. And, and he, uh, 
he, he said, he said, can it be that I have sinned and am backslidden? So while on his knees, uh, he began to pray and get it and, and confess any uh, uh, sins in his heart and, and draw himself closer to the Lord. And a, uh, a rough fellow on the other side of the hedge, hearing the prayer, looked across and recognized the preacher. And he said to himself, I'll fix that Methodist preacher. So he picked up a brick and he threw it at Mr. Wesley. Um, the brick missed its mark and it fell harmlessly next to John. John uh, 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 hopped up on his feet and he joyfully exclaimed, Thank God, it's all right, I still have his presence. Um, boy, what a different mentality than we have, isn't it? He was upset because he hadn't been persecuted. We, we get our feathers in a ruffle when we are persecuted. And when he wasn't persecuted, he thought, I've lost God's presence. Uh, when we get persecuted, we think, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Um, now, this church in Thessalonica, we're going to look closely at Acts 17 in a few minutes. In fact, you can thumb your way over there if you'd like. We'll be looking at that uh, here in a moment. But um, the church was under a lot of persecution. And Paul was very, very worried that this church was going to get discouraged um, from the persecution and would just quit and disband. That was Paul's concern. How many can understand why Paul would worry about that? A church under great persecution, they're going to fold, they're going to quit, they're going to hit the valley of discouragement, they're going to give up, and the whole thing is going to collapse. These are young Christians and is this even going to work? Um, he had every reason to feel that way. I would have felt that way, especially without the history that we now have today. Uh, the church age was still brand new, and Paul had nothing to base anything off of. He had no historical context. Uh, but, but what history has taught us is that persecution does not ruin churches, Catch this. What persecution does is it purifies them. It purifies them. You know what White Oak Baptist Church has? The same thing every church in America has. It has a bunch of people who are just playing games with God. And if persecution comes, those that are just playing games with God, they'll never come back. And those who are serious about this, they'll stay with it. And they'll get their hearts right, and they'll endure. And what persecution does is it purifies the church, and it purifies the saints that stick to the church. There was a French reformer by the name... Please, this is really good. Don't miss this tonight. There was a French reformer by the name of Theodore Beza, and he made a famous statement to King Henry of Navarre. Here's what he said. He said, Sire... It is truly the lot of the church of God for which I speak to endure blows and not to strike them uh, uh, or not to strike back. But may it please you to remember that the church is an anvil which has worn out many hammers. Many people have tried to persecute the church and they have just broken their hammers trying to do it. In fact, you look at atheist countries like Russia, where at one point they declared, we have gotten rid of Christianity 
only to find out that they really hadn't gotten rid of Christianity. It had just gone underground and had grown more intense. In fact, countries like North Korea, we know that now one in five people in North Korea are professing Christians. Now, atheism is the... And they're supposed to be worshiping their, their leader. But the more that you seem to want to eradicate Christianity, the more radical the Christians become. Um, I'm going to show you a video... Uh, on the screen here. And to give you some context, the Chinese government has um, punished those who want to run churches for a long, long time now. Christianity is not allowed in China. No religion is. And the church in China has become very pure. Now, I want you to watch this video and ask yourself this question. Do I feel the way... These people feel. This is a group of people getting a Bible for the first time. Watch the video. You hear the emotion in her voice? You know, I don't think things happen on accident. This, uh, this uh, lesson, Bible study, was put together. And after I had printed it out, I came across a quote this afternoon. And here's the quote. I'm going to summarize the quote to the best of my memory. But the quote went something like this. In the New Testament church, Christians were persecuted. or Christians, uh, Christians struggled and the church thrived. Today, Christians thrive and the church struggles. Today, Christians thrive and the church struggles. I'm going to speak from my heart right here. I kind of wish the church in America would get persecuted. You know what I wouldn't need to do to get people to come to church and be serious about God? I wouldn't need to have a fall program. We wouldn't need to give away trips to Sunday school classes to get people to come to Sunday school. We wouldn't. We wouldn't have to offer a, a, a study Bible, a $100 study Bible with a name printed on the front to motivate people to come to church or give away a $100 gift card to get people to bring visitors to Friend Day. We just wouldn't have to do those things. The attendance would take care of itself. I'd preach on holiness and people would already be holy because... You'd have to be. I wouldn't have to preach about reading your Bible because that, people would value their Bible. The church in America needs persecution. 
the church in Thessalonica was facing it. And Paul wrote a letter to them to encourage them. They were under so much persecution that Christians within their church were being killed. And they were worried. They were worried about what was going to happen to their dead when Christ came back. That's why 1 Thessalonians, uh, I believe it's chapters 4 and 5, talk, yet yeah, uh, chapters 4 through uh, chapters 4 and 5 talk quite a bit about the dead in Christ rising first, and then those which are alive and remain. Now, when you understand that he was writing this to people who were weeping at gravesides of Christian family, boy, it sure adds another element to that passage, doesn't it? That they were brokenhearted that their loved ones, their spiritual family, their church family, had been killed for their stand and were worried about whether or not they were going to be rescued at the coming back of Christ. So the book tonight, we look at um, 1 Thessalonians. It's one of Paul's warmest, friendliest letters that he wrote. Some of the letters are quite corrective or academic in nature. This has uh, some challenge to it where he challenges the church, but it is more written to encourage the church as they were facing these persecutions. So the book can be divided into two main sections. Let's jump in and look at uh, these uh, one at a time. Number one. Notice, Paul celebrates their faithfulness. Fill in the blanks with me if you don't mind. You have a pen and an outline. Don't let those blanks sit empty. Fill in the blanks. Go back and look over this later. Paul celebrates their faithfulness. The book can really be divided into two sections. Chapter 1, verse 1, uh, uh, all the way through chapter 3, verse 9, and then uh, chapter 3, verse 10, through the end of the book. Uh, so, Paul celebrates their faithfulness, and he, uh, he, he, uh, he, he gets a report back that this church who's under heavy persecution, boy, they're doing well. And so he's going to write to them and praise them for that. He spends the first half of First Thessalonians doing that. Notice letter A, notice reception. Reception. Turn over to chapter 2, verse 13 with me. This is where we began. Look here how it talks about uh, their receiving of the gospel. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when all of you, or when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as uh, it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Here Paul is reminding them of the time that a good chunk of this church got saved. That Paul and Silas, they came into the city of Thessalonia. They, uh, they, they preached the word of God. They reasoned with the folks there in the temple and in the marketplaces. And he's saying, you all received our word, not as though it was our word, but as if it was God himself speaking to you. Turn back over to uh, Acts uh, chapter 17 with me. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 1. We find the story of this church being established. Acts 17. It says there, now when they had passed through, uh, uh, and, and, let's see, Amphipolis, and that other place, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, uh, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days, so that's three weeks, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, 
and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And look there, it says, there were, there were those that received. Verse 4, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Or a lot of the chief women, or the women of notoriety in town, received the message of the gospel. So, he went into the synagogues on the Sabbaths, three Sabbaths, and he didn't go in and, 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 and he wasn't condescending. He and Silas took the Old Testament scrolls and reasoned with them, logic with them, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah and that he had to suffer. Probably looked at Isaiah 53 and passage like that with him and convinced a few of the Jews that, hey, this Jesus was and is the Christ, the Messiah. And then as he went out into the markets and around town, he uh, conversed with the Greeks and many, many Greeks got saved. And then he uh, conversed with uh, the women, the, the women of notoriety of town, and a whole bunch of them got saved and believed. And so this was the reception that Paul is reminding them of, of in First Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, verse number uh, verse number 13 there, their reception of the gospel. Aren't you glad for the day that you got saved? How many of you got saved before the age of 18? Raise your hand if you got saved before the age of 18. How many of you got saved after the age of 18? How many of you can look back on your life and say, wow, if God had not saved me, I would be a train wreck right now. How many of you can say that? I can say that. Not because I had like a life of sin, deep sin, but because I know my own fleshly impulses and that God has uh, helped me with, and had He not helped me with those, boy, I can't imagine the struggles that I would, or the sin I'd be in. Uh, but Paul reminds them of the day that they were saved. Now, notice letter B, the word rejection. Rejection. And uh, we're going to look at this word rejection a couple of ways. Uh, chapter 1 and verse number 6, it says there, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, look here, in much affliction. So, when they received the word, they were rejected by their peers, their acquaintances. Look, received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to take the time to, to dive into that tonight, but if you're going through a trial right now, underline that, affliction with joy. And go study that. You can be afflicted and you can do it with joy. It's a great study. I've taken the time to do it. I'll probably preach a sermon on it sometime in the next, I don't know, 12 to 24 months when I, whenever it works, uh, whenever the Lord leads me to do that. But it is a great study. But we see here that because they received the word, they suffered affliction. Look at verse 7. So that ye were in samples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. They lived in Thessalon Thessalonica. Uh, the larger region was called Macedonia. Verse 8. For, uh, for uh, from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. What is he saying in verse 8? He's saying, you guys, your faith is so strong that other churches talk about it. You all are the standard. You all are the standard of strong faith in the face of persecution. Verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So we see that they were rejected by their peers, but they rejected idolatry. 
Full-blown. Why were they rejected? They were rejected because of their own rejection. Because they refused to participate in this idolatry and paganism and the sinful culture, they were pushed to the side. They were rejected. So because they refused to go along with the sin that they were saved from, and they rejected that, they in turn were rejected. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which believed us from the wrath to come. So uh, please understand that if you're going to reject Satan's method of salvation, you're going to reject Satan's sinful culture around you, then you're going to get rejected by those who hold to that. Can I just say this tonight? You should not try to warm up, cozy on up to people in the world that are not saved and get them to like you. Shouldn't try to. Because they're going a different direction than you are. Now, I'm not saying you got to be a jerk. I'm not saying you got to be mean. I'm not saying you got to be confrontational. But don't make it your life's goal to get people who hate God to love you. What did, what did Jesus say in John 15? He said, if they, you're not greater than your master. If they hated me, they are going to hate you. Not because of your disposition or, uh, or the way you go about it, but just because you're taking a stand against everything that they are. And he's reminding them that, hey, look, uh, you have rejected their lifestyle. You have rejected their worldview. And so they have rejected you. Well, uh, uh, look with me at chapter 2, verse 14. We see that uh, we see how specific the rejection is for ye brethren, because uh, uh, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus for look here for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. You know what that means? They were rejected by their neighbors. They were rejected by the other religious institutions in town. You know what else that means? They were rejected by their own family. Their mom and dad, their brother and sister, their aunts and uncles rejected them. They were pushed out. Now that's going to play key into what we're going to talk about next. But let me sh- let, let's look at how fierce this rejection was. Go back to Acts 17 and verse number 5. This rejection was so fierce that it got drug out of the religious sphere and into the political sphere and even into the arresting uh, uh, a municipal sphere. Look at verse 5. But the Jews, these are the religious leaders, okay, the Judaism religious leaders, the Jews which believed not, these were the ones that sat and listened to Paul in the synagogue and decided not to believe, uh, moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. You know what that means? That means that the Jews had a George Soros type among them, who paid base people to go be a mob, and to do mob justice. That doesn't happen today, does it? We don't have, like, fake mobs that go around and, you know, smash car windows and set things on fire and create problems. Now, they're doing that in a political sense, but, you know, there, might, there probably will come a day where, where mobs are hired to go at churches. And that's what was going on here. They hired a mob. These Pharisees, these, 
these white-collared, sophisticated people, they weren't going to be the ones throwing glass bottles and rocks. So they went and they hired what the Bible calls base men to do their dirty work for them. So Paul and Silas were staying in the house of a man named Jason. Look at verse 6. And when they found them not, Paul and Silas, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Um, uh, when Jason have, have uh, received, uh, and these all do contrary to the de- decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one of Jesus. So now they're twisting Paul and Silas's word and these early church leaders' words and, and trying to make it sound like that there's an overthrow of the Roman government in the person of Caesar, which is very hypocritical because that was actually what they wanted their Messiah to do. Verse 8, And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken uh, uh, security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. So they arrested Jason and a couple others. They let everybody else go. And they persecuted these that helped house Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas saw this coming. And boy, they got out of town just at the last second. And there was a ban to put on them from even being able to come back. So they left and the persecution against the church Continued, So they rejected uh, uh, the, the religious phonies. They rejected the secular system. And in turn, they were disowned and rejected and persecuted back. So we see their reception. We see the rejection. Letter C. Let's look at the word relationships. Relationships. How many of you here tonight, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you here tonight that since because you received Jesus as your Savior... At the least, it has put a great strain on close relationships to friends and family. How many of you here have at least lost a friend because you have received Jesus as your Savior? Would you raise your hand? How many of you here tonight, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many here tonight, it has hurt family relationships because you have rejected a paganism or idolatrous or cultist religion or even no religion and have chosen to become radical about your faith in Jesus. Well, that's what had happened here. These folks turned around and many of them didn't have any family. They'd been disowned by their family and friends. All they had were each other. That's all they had. And so Paul in chapter 2, he's going to talk to them about the relationships inside the church. Look how endearing this is. Look at chapter 2 in verse number 5. Look at the terms of endearment, the terms of family that are used within this church. Uh, For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, or we didn't ever ask you all for money. God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, uh, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you. Look at the terms here. Even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So look here. Being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Look, we weren't just academically giving you the gospel to see you get saved. We were pouring our souls into you. 
We were like a nurse that cherishes her children. We were affectionately desirous over you. Uh, look at verse uh, number uh, 9. For ye remember, brethren, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we had uh, we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Look at verse 11. And uh, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So we have... Uh, a, a nurse with her children. We have a father to ch- uh, to children. We've got uh, affectionate, desirous of you. Paul is saying here that uh, uh, we were, when I was there, just that short time, we were a tight-knit family. A tight-knit family. You know, um, I was told before I moved to New England, oh, they're cold up there. They're cold up there. Boy, the gospel is not the thing up there anymore, and it's just, it's a dark place in New England, and people are, are so unfriendly, and, uh, and you know, when I moved up here the first time, I lived in Terryville, which is, if you live in Terryville and you're watching the live stream, I love you, okay? Um, one of the most backward cities I've ever lived in. It just, it just is, and if you live there, you probably would agree with that. Um, I remember going to Home Depot the first time I lived in Terryville. And I asked, I guess that would have been in Bristol, but I asked someone for help. And you would have thought, I, and the guy worked there, you would have thought I was just inconveniencing him to the max. And, you know, I lived in Maryland prior, and that's not exactly the warmest state, but that made Maryland look like the hub of hospitality. And I'm going, good night. I remember knocking doors in Terryville and inviting people to that little church up there. And I had the police called on me three times. I had two people, as I was walking up the driveway, say, get off my property. Do you know who? I don't care who you are. Get off my property. And I thought, this is New England. Now, I have to tell you, living in this area, it's a little bit better. All right. If I were to go um, uh, uh, out on the street and stop people and invite them to church, I get I get mostly kind responses. Uh, I'm able to lead people to Christ regularly out on the street. It, it's much nicer in this area than it was up there. But still, I got to tell you that this isn't the warmest place in America. It's not the warmest place in America. Um, uh, I have gone uh, door knocking, soul winning in the southeast. I have gone door knocking, soul winning in the mid-Atlantic. I have done that in the Midwest. And I have done that in New England. Um, the New England's the toughest. If you do it in the Southeast, almost everyone's going to tell you they're saved. Most of them aren't, but they're going to tell you that. And they're going to invite you in. And they're going to give you a glass of sweet tea. And they're going to uh, uh, have you pet their dog. And they're going to pull out the family album and show you pictures of their grandbabies. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. How many of you here have ever uh, uh, gone out soul winning, door knocking, inviting in the southeast? Anybody? Is that true? That's true. Okay. Uh, and so there's a great contrast here. What am I getting at? When I come to White Oak Baptist Church, you know what I feel like? I feel like I'm with my family. There's a reason why. In the southeast, when church is over, the place is empty in about 10 minutes. But here, people hang around for about 45 minutes to an hour. Because we are family. 
down there, they're going out to lunch with, with 25 people in their family who are also leaving church. They have, they have both blood family that have accepted them and there isn't this rub. Here, boy, the light shines bright and we have each other. Can I tell you this? Value that. We need to love each other. We need to take care of each other. We need to look after each other. And so Paul was saying, look, you all don't have a lot, but you have each other. Value each other. You have received Christ together. You are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Letter D, notice the word rejoicing. Rejoicing. Now, Paul was saying here, what is my reward as a, as a laborer? Now, please understand the dynamic here. Paul was not their pastor. Paul was a missionary. And Paul did receive some uh, financial support from other established churches that were able to take a collection and pay him. Much like we take a collection and pay our missionaries, all right? But Paul was not at all a financial burden on this church. How would he be? How would he be? They were just getting established. They were being persecuted. It was probably hard for a lot of them to find work. Some of them were even being killed for their faith. And so Paul said, look, my reward amongst you is not to get paid financially by you. My reward amongst you, my reward is you. The fact that you all have gotten saved and your faith is so strong, my reward is you. Now, remember here, when he wrote the, uh, when he established the church, he had to leave. He had to leave quickly with Silas. He became very, very concerned for this church. We're going to read in just a moment here in chapter number three about his uh, concern for the church. He got so concerned that he sent Timothy to them uh, because uh, the, the religious leaders wouldn't know who Timothy was to check up on them. And Timothy brings back this glow report about how strong their faith is. Uh, Look at chapter 2 and verse number 17. It says there, But we, brethren, being taken from you a short time in presence, not in heart endeavoring the more abundantly to see your face with great desire, uh, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope? Look here. Or joy or crown of rejoicing. Hey, Paul, what is your reward for your time with us? What is that crown of rejoicing that you wear from being among us? Look here. Are not even ye, all of you, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Paul said, what is my reward? It's one day when I get to heaven and I look over and there's this group of people that come from the city of Thessalonica and they were saved because of the work that God used uh, uh, Silas and I to do. That is my reward. That is my reward. You know, I often wonder when I get to heaven what that's going to be like. I I wonder when I walk through the gates if there won't be a crowd of people that have passed on before me, that God allowed me to be the one that shared the gospel with them. And I walk through the gate, and they're standing there, with a big grin on their face. Ah, thank you for telling us about Jesus! We're in heaven because of your witness! And if God won't uh, allow an angel or 
or, or, or an apostle or uh, some other strong Christian who'd gone on before to give me a tour and introduce me to all of these people who were saved, maybe that watched on a live stream and I'd never even met them, or maybe I led someone to the Lord and lost contact with them and they gave their life to Jesus and they led hundreds of people to the Lord and God says, let me introduce you to all these people who are in heaven because of your witness and tears will be running down my cheeks. How about it for you, Christian? Is there going to be a crowd of people waiting for you when you step through the gates that are there because of your bold witness for Jesus? Or are you going to walk in and there be nobody there except friends and family who you ate meals with and you, you know, already knew? Who's it going to be? Look, if my mom and dad go to heaven before me, I sure want to see them early on when I get to heaven. But I got to tell you, more exciting, I'll be more excited about seeing the people that got to heaven because of the witness God used me to do. Now, let me just be really clear. It's not about me. It's about Jesus saving them. But you know, Jesus can't, Jesus won't save people oftentimes if we don't go and tell. We don't go and tell. I, I, uh, I get asked this question sometimes by strangers, and I probably get asked this question the most when I'm on airplanes. I don't know why, what it is about airplanes, but I've probably been asked this. I probably get asked this every other time I fly. Okay, If I'm going on a trip and it's a round trip, I'll get asked this once on the trip. I'll sit next to someone and they'll find out that I'm a, a preacher or a pastor or a Christian, you know, whatever the case has been. Uh, and I'll get asked this question. If God is ever loving and caring, why would he send someone to hell that's never heard about it? You ever been asked that question? How could God let someone go to hell who's never heard about it? And I always give them, and I'll finish with this, we'll get point two next week. I always give them this answer. I say there's two answers to your question. There's an A and a B. Letter A is that Jesus gives everybody the ability to find his way to them, to him. No matter where you live, no matter what country or culture you're born in, if you look up to the sky and say, I wonder how I got here, I wonder who God is, I wonder if the God I'm being taught is true, that you are answering to the light that you're given. God will provide more light, and if you follow that light, eventually he will make sure that you get saved. That's the first answer, and you can take them to Cornelius. You can take them to some other places in the Bible where that's the case. But then I give them the second answer. And Christian, this is aimed at you. I say the second answer is this. Jesus has done his part to save the world by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. And then, as he ascended back up to heaven, he looked at his disciples, his followers that he had trained, and he said, I've done my part, now it's on you to do your part. I died, you tell. Let me repeat that. I died, you go tell. If somebody grows up in the middle of China, or Africa, or Brazil, Never hears the name of Jesus. And dies and goes to hell. Is it Jesus' fault? Whose fault is it? It's our fault. It's our fault. I believe this. I believe it so heartily. Every single person on the planet, there is a Christian God has called to go to that corner and preach the gospel to that person. But I believe that most Christians are so busy enriching themselves that 
they can't even hear the voice of God to go. Now, I'll finish with this. I'm not asking you, I'm not personally asking you to go to Africa tomorrow. But what I am asking all of us to do is to go across the street. Can you start there? Can you pick up some gospel tracks out of the rack on your way out the door? And can you hand that to a friend or a neighbor and say, hey, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to get to heaven is on the back of there. Because when I get to heaven and you get to heaven, what is going to be our crown of rejoicing? It's going to be those who were saved because of our witness. By the way, we'll take those crowns and we'll lay them back at Jesus' feet, I strongly believe. And that's what matters. But we've got to do our part. We've got to do our part. Uh, Community Day is this Sunday. We're going to honor our first responders, make a huge deal out of them. Um, I got a couple of requests for the church, and we'll finish, and we'll have, we'll stand and, and be dismissed. Pastor David is going all over this area to businesses, and he is working to collect gift cards that we can give to our first responders. Now, we're not telling the first responders we're doing this. We're not telling them this to get them here. All right. This is something we'll do, we'll, we'll surprise them with when they're here. Many, many businesses, stores, restaurants, are uh, willing to part with some gift cards to give to our first responders. So in the, on the table in the lobby, we have some invitations that tell us what that is. Take some of those with you, and if you have a, a coffee shop you frequent regularly or a restaurant you eat at regularly um, and you know the management well, Take that with you and show that to them and ask them if they will contribute gift cards uh, uh, toward this day. That would really, really help us. And then we need to get those here on the property by Saturday morning. So uh, text me and let me know if you've done that. The other thing you can do is tell every police officer and firefighter and EMS worker you know about this day. You know what I've been doing? Let me share this with you. This is really neat. I have, a, I have a stack of those community day uh, flyers in the door of my driver's seat car. When I pull up to a construction site and I see a police officer standing out, I come to a stop, I roll down my window, and I hand it to him. And I say, hey, this Sunday, I tell him all about it. I say, we want to make a big deal out of you. Can you be here so we can honor you? And I have gotten nothing but positive responses. And so get, get those, put them in your car. And uh, don't fly past a construction site and make the officer mad, all right? Stop and give him the, the, the invitation and let him know you're there. Now, if it's the same officer you ticked him off yesterday, then don't do that, all right? But uh, anybody else, go ahead and invite. Let's have a big day on Sunday. To be honest with you, I have no idea how many first responders that we'll have. We're giving every one of them a Bible as well. The church has bought uh, uh, 30 Bibles to give out uh, one to each uh, res- uh, for, uh, first responder that's here. And uh, we've got a, a number of other things that we're going to do to make the uh, Sunday extra special. Uh, so uh, do your part to be here. One of the things I want to ask of each of you is that you sit as close to the front as possible on Sunday morning. That way we're not trying to figure out where to put people. The auditorium has been very, very full the last few weeks. And praise the Lord for that. Our church is growing. Amen. But we need help. And so we do block off the back few pews. Brother Mike, I'm going to ask you to leave those blocks up until about 10 minutes into the service. You can talk to your guys about that. Please don't push past the ropes and sit there. That's to put people in who come in late. And the last thing we want is for people to come in late and be like, 
they don't have anywhere for me to sit. I'm not coming back. They need to be able to quickly find a seat. So let's not be selfish and crowd the back pews. Let's move as far forward as possible. I promise I'm not going to hurt you. So you can sit toward the front. Amen? And, uh, and help us with that. Uh, really try and help us with that. And if you're a Sunday school teacher in here, ask your classes to do the same for me on Sunday. Ask them to scoot closer to the front if you have any that seem to like to sit toward the back. That would be a great help. Let's make Sunday a great day. Amen? We're going to preach the gospel. And uh, hopefully a lot of these first responders will hear the gospel and respond positively to it. Let's stand to be dismissed. Next week we'll look at the second half of the book and talk about how Paul not only celebrated their faithfulness, but he challenged their faith. We'll get that next week. Let's pray. Brother Mark, if you would turn and close us in prayer.